one thing we know about our city officials is you're good at talking. So, um, and you love your community. So you're talking about something you love and, uh, you know, keep it that simple. Welcome to the City Voice podcast, where we explore the issues that impact Washington cities. Today, we'll hear part one of a two-part episode on legislative advocacy. On June 25th, as part of our annual conference, members of AWC's government relations team presented a recap of the 2021 legislative session, a preview of the 2022 legislative session, and guidance on how to work with state and federal legislators to become an effective advocate for your city. We'll hear first from Candace Bach, AWC's Director of Government Relations. Really happy today to be joined by Carl Schrader, our Deputy Director of Government Relations, and Sharon Swanson, our Government Relations Advocate. And we're gonna uh, walk you through advocacy in this Washington. We're, um, we wanted to share with you a little bit about what happened in the 2021 legislative session that wrapped up at the end of April. And you may have watched our uh, session recap webinar that we did back in May. Uh, but we just really wanted to spend a minute um, or two highlighting some of the successes. The 2021 legislative session was a very productive one for cities. Uh, and that is thanks to um, all of our strong city advocates out there who really work to talk to your legislators and make sure they understand what cities needs are. I want to highlight just two things on here. Um, and then I'm going to turn it over to Carl and Sharon to highlight a couple as well. Um, one I wanted to mention under state shared revenues. Not only this year did the legislature preserve state shared revenues, um, the traditional ones, they actually finally bumped up the marijuana or the cannabis revenue sharing um, to a full $40 million between cities and counties. And then they created a new $20 million one-time city assistance fund to help offset costs related to criminal justice and public safety um, legislation. And cities will be getting their share of that $20 million in early to mid-July, and it'll just be a direct distribution to you. It'll work out to about $4 per capita. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention, the other success was finally passing a property tax-based tax increment financing tool for us here in Washington. We were one of 48 states that didn't have such a tool. Now we do. Um, it's you know, a great opportunity for the right kind of project to take advantage of that tax increment financing tool to spur economic development where it wouldn't otherwise happen because there wasn't the public infrastructure needed. So that's a big thing to celebrate um, and really thanks to a whole coalition of folks who uh, pushed for that this year. Um, I'm happy to turn it over to Carl to talk for a couple of minutes about uh, some of the highlights he saw. Yeah, thanks, Candace. Um, one of the real highlights in my mind was the work that the legislature, um, with our support, did on housing uh, stability. As you all know, the COVID pandemic really put a lot of our residents into a real tough spot in terms of their economics and ability to pay their rent. We saw um, really high levels of folks who were reporting a concern about being able to make their next month's rent. Um, so this year, the, the state, with a combination of federal dollars as well as new dedicated funding, put over a billion dollars into rental assistance, as well as created a, a, a framework to move out of the eviction moratorium uh, where uh, payment plans would be supported. There would be opportunities for eviction assistance or eviction avoidance assistance and legal aid 
uh, for uh, community members in um, facing those sorts of troubles. Uh, just yesterday, we saw the governor extend that eviction moratorium through September to allow these resources to come online. Uh, so there was just quite a bit of uh, work on that front, and I think it's really critical. Um, and we were really happy to uh, be able to support that effort. Um, the other thing I just wanted to, to highlight, similar to TIFF, a, um, a uh, longtime priority that uh, we didn't really expect was going to get over the finish line this year, the extension of an expansion of the multifamily tax exemption program, uh, which is a, a key tool for cities to um, support and attract uh, housing development in your communities, which, uh, of course, we all know we're really uh, lacking in many cases. So uh, on, on those issues, it was a really productive session. So uh, happy to report that and uh, sh ship it over to Sharon to share a few highlights as well. Thanks, Carl. Good morning, everyone. Uh, so just want to talk to you a little bit about the police reform uh, agenda that you see here on our, our list. Um, the highlights really were not only achieving the goals and the priorities set out by AWC, which was to have the state set some standards for how law enforcement can and, and should interact with uh, members of our communities, also the steps they need to take uh, before they can sort of escalate uh, an interaction. Those are really important uh, accomplishments. Um, I would highlight though, because we talked a lot about what law enforcement can and should do, I want to highlight two pieces of the agenda that were uh, successful um, that support law enforcement. Um, first of all, uh, full funding for the basic law enforcement academy, so 15 classes per year, so that we can continue to train new a new generation of officers and keep the wait times down. Um, additionally, recognition that law enforcement officers have very difficult jobs. Um, and one of our priorities, and we were helpful or able to accomplish, was to have over $800,000 invested in three pilot projects to help uh, create programs to prevent suicide for law enforcement officers. We know that's a, a problem, uh, but also to invest in behavioral supports for our law enforcement officers as well. So the reforms got a lot of attention, but those are two key pieces I think that need to be highlighted because they support the law enforcement officers that work very closely with our cities. Um, and the last thing I want to highlight, and, and I think most importantly, is a big part of why this agenda was able to pass with uh, statewide recognition, but also protecting local control, was the voices of so many city officials. We had engagement from our mayors, our city council members, our police chiefs, and our city attorneys. Um, and so at different points during the conversation uh, around police reform, we were able to rely on our folks in our cities, our communities, to come in and, and echo a lot of the points that AWC was trying to make. And so it was a group effort, and um, I just want to thank you all for your engagement. So what are we looking at for 2022? Um, Remember that it the legislature works in two year cycles. So 2021 was the first year of this biennium. Um, so 2022 is kind of the second half of the biennium. Uh, that means that bills that were introduced this year will carry forward for next year. They will not have to be reintroduced. They just continue to exist. So if there was a bill you were particularly interested in that didn't pass, it has another shot next year without having to be reintroduced. It kind of starts at the last place it was um, successful in the legislative process. So for instance, a bill introduced in the House that um, went over to the Senate, but the Senate didn't consider uh, or didn't pass, it just bumps back over to the House Rules Committee. It doesn't necessarily restart. 
that sometimes means there's a sleeper bill or two that suddenly pop up through the process and you're like, where did that come from? Um, it's because it was a bill introduced this year, got a little ways through the process and it's kind of starting in the middle. And um, so watch out for those sort of sleeper bills that come back in the second biennium. Um, being the, the second uh, year of the biennium, it is an even year, it's a short session year. So it's a 60 day session. Uh, starts in the second Monday of January, wraps up in the first or week or so of March. Um, it moves very, very quickly at, at those 60 days. Because keep in mind, the legislature doesn't take a day off. They work straight through. They work. The, they count the weekends. Um, they work many of those weekends. They work the holidays. So it's a it's a fast 60 days. Um, and you know, one of the, the big pieces of work they have to do in, a, in the first year of the biennium is, of course, adopt the biennial budgets. In the second year, in those short years, they um, are just making tweaks to the biennial budgets, um, doing supplemental budgets. And it will be interesting to see what 2022 looks like in terms of supplemental budgets. Um, that could be affected by uh, some of what we were just hearing from the other Washington federal funding coming in um, through ARPA, the state didn't necessarily allocate all of its funding and may want to reallocate some of it depending on how programs work out and what this um, infrastructure package ends up looking like may also re uh, require the state to go back in and make some adjustments to that supplemental budget. There was also a very positive revenue forecast released earlier this week. Um, again, bumping up the um, anticipated revenues for this biennium uh, by a substantial amount. Uh, now, what will it look like by the end of this year and when session starts next year? You know, that's anyone's guess, but um, the legislature may have more revenue that they will want to allocate. So we'll see how those supplemental budgets work out. Um, they may be bigger um, changes than what they might otherwise have been. Also, there's some other policy issues that weren't addressed in 2021 that we anticipate coming back in some fashion. Uh, the transportation packages at the top of our list, that was one of AWC's five priorities that didn't see um, action this session. Um, many people, many um, stakeholders are disappointed about that. There are legislators working on that statewide transportation package over the interim in hopes that they can actually come back and take action on it this fall. Um, we will see if they come together and if the legislature comes together to want to come back in the fall. Um, if not, the conventional wisdom is that in a short 60-day session in an election year, I forgot to mention that 2022 is an election year with the entire House and half the Senate campaigning, um, they, the conventional wisdom is they may not want to take a big tax vote needed for a transportation package, so uh, they would then wait till 2023. So transportation is definitely still out there with lots of question marks. Um, growth Both Carl and Sharon talked about these next couple of issues. The Growth Management Act, there were a number of bills up this past session uh, that AWC was supporting uh, pending funding uh, for those new planning requirements. In the end, they didn't get through the Senate. So will those be the sleeper bills that come back um, in uh, 2022? Uh, I think we definitely expect them to. And then police accountability, as Sharon mentioned, a lot happened this past session, but there are some things that some of the stakeholders uh, still want to push through. And then some of the reforms that as they're being implemented, we realize 
will need to be modified. Um, and you know that happens all the time. It's hard to get legislation exactly perfect the first time out. Um, so we expect those topics to, to resurface in 2022 as well. Um, with that, we'll move on to the next slide. And uh, you know, every every year we we do this with you um, because you are so important to our work. Uh, we have um, you know a, a small team uh, here at AWC that work on these issues for you in Olympia. So it really takes all of our city officials pulling together to be um, strong advocates for the entire city family. Um, so this is why we do this every year. We want to make sure you are you have the tools that you need, you are comfortable with the ideas, and that you are out there talking to your legislators because it's that work that really makes a difference when they get here to Olympia. And so we share this advocacy as a year-round job. We know you all have um, probably more than one full-time job. You are city officials. You probably have other things going on, um, and we're asking you to also be advocates, but it is so important. And this is some, you know, all year there's something to do. So most of the work is done during interim. And right now um, there's a few key pieces in this sort of early interim summer uh, that we really would like you to focus on. With that, I'm gonna turn it over to Sharon. So I wanna to talk to you a little bit about post-session. So session's over and maybe you're wondering what does advocacy look like now? Um, well, legislators, uh, we used to back in district back when they would travel to Olympia now we can say they can step away from the zoom screen so presumably they have a little bit more time and they're back in their district um, which is um, your they're your their constituents so they're near your community um, so they have presumably a little bit more time so how can you engage with them now you can invite them to a city council meeting, um, ask them to come in and give an update as to the legislature, legislature's work from their perspective. Um, you can also have them come in and listen to your city council uh, meeting so that they can be present and, and hear what the conversations are and what some of the pressing issues are of the day for, for your city. Um, additionally, you know, you can ask them to come out and uh, attend a ribbon cutting. If there is a new business or a new uh, facility that is benefiting your community and maybe some of their legislative work or a grant program or somehow you can tie it back to their efforts um, or you want them to see what's going on in your community, you can invite them to come out um, and make a few comments um, and have some local press attention. Uh, for them, because what you want to do is keep them engaged in, in your local community so that they can see what your needs are, or they can see the benefits of what their work is, and you can tie that back to them. Um, now things are getting a little bit safer for us to go out into the world. You can invite them to uh, go out for a coffee and kind of continue to develop a working relationship with them. Maybe take them on a tour of your local community if there's a particular project that you need um, some assistance with, or again, to show the benefit of some of the hard work through the legislative process, invite them out on a tour so they can come out and see exactly what you're talking about. Um, and one other piece that I, I think can you can never do enough of is, is to say thank you. Um, thank them for their efforts, thank them for their time, even if your project that you're working on doesn't succeed, or maybe if you don't agree. 
you can always thank someone for their perspective um, and thank them for their efforts. And the key really is to develop a working relationship with your local or with your legislators, and then to preserve that relationship. Um, you know, down the road, people's perspectives can change. Uh, the majority parties in both uh, chambers can change. So it's really important to keep a working relationship, establish a working relationship, and then keep the legislators engaged in your local community. Each community is different. Each community is unique. And you want to be able to tell them the story of how your local community works and how they can help benefit uh, long term from that relationship. That was really great, Sharon. And I'm going to uh, riff on a couple of the themes that you ended with in terms of building uh, and maintaining and um, strengthening that relationship with your local legislators. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've heard people refer to this as um, sort of akin to dating or a, a job interview, which if you're anything like me, that doesn't sound very appealing. <laughs> it's a little intimidating. So I always like to sort of um, encourage people to don't make this too hard. You know, the first thing to do is just be nice and engaging. Uh, recognize uh, that you are a community leader that your legislator wants to meet with. Um, so you're not, uh, you know, putting them out by asking to um, develop this relationship and meet. Um, once it's safe, um, go out and grab a coffee or lunch and just have a conversation. Um, these folks, um, you know, with their new positions or their positions still came out of the same region that, uh, that you are in and have common experiences, see the same sorts of community challenges that you do, and uh, more than likely ran for office to try to address the same sorts of concerns that you're facing and trying to address in your community uh, at your uh, level of the process. So look to understand their interests and um, you know, find where you have um, common perspectives, uh, share relevant uh, information about work that your city is doing on those fronts. Because when you begin to communicate um, early and often, you can become that trusted resource about what um, the real impact of state decisions are on your local community. And you know, that's really critical. And you know, as much as possible, you don't wanna be weighing in on something you haven't really talked about um, with your legislator with no relationship with them just kind of coming out of the blue, you will be considerably more uh, effective in supporting your community's needs if you can uh, do a little bit, bit of work on the front end, you know, start before you need something. So it's not just a, you know, uh, approaching with a handout, but instead, you know, looking to develop a true partnership. In that uh, sense, you know, it's really important to be clear, though, when there are policy issues at place, um, you want to be clear about what would help exactly, not just complaints, but solutions. Um, the more concrete you can be on those impacts, uh, the better your legislator will be equipped to argue for your interests um, with their colleagues. Um, so another thing I really like to highlight is, you know, as, as best as possible, talk about these impacts uh, in terms of your community and your residents, and less so in terms of government as an institution. So for instance, this, um, you know, if an issue uh, would delay um, planned park upgrades, for instance, that's going to be a lot more compelling than, you know, a 0.75% budget reduction or impact, you know, you need to talk about these things in terms of anecdotes and stories that will stick with folks. Um, you know, I was a legislative staff um, back in the day, and I, it's just amazing how many numbers get thrown at these folks, and it all becomes just a blur. So the stories are really, uh, in my mind, what sticks and the sort of um, representative anecdotes. Um, I would also just encourage you to think about, um, um, you know, once you master the first uh, phase of this, um, legislative staff and their, um, their assistants uh, are really critical partners as well. They can help make sure that any information you need to get to them in a timely manner at that really busy point in session gets through the, the fuzz 
um, there's going to be, you know, you couldn't imagine how many emails and phone calls these folks get in the middle of session. And so having someone that you've worked with who knows that it's important to the member to get your feedback uh, when it's timely and actionable is really helpful. Um, so I, I just do want to reiterate, though, this does not um, rocket science. We're talking about folks who put their pants on one leg at a time. They're uh, trying to do their best for their community, just like you are. And so, you know, think about this as a, you know, a, um, you know, having a fun time with your friend. It's not it, it's not a job interview. It's not as uh, um, stressful as you might be making it out to be. So just encourage you to uh, if you're not doing this already, give it a try. And uh, we're obviously help, uh, happy to help um, provide any context or feedback you, you might want as you uh, begin this process. So thanks. Thanks, Carl. I just want to reiterate what both Carl and Sharon said. Um, you know, don't be intimidated by the process. This is really just about talking with people. And one thing we know about our city officials is you're good at talking. So, um, and you love your community. So you're talking about something you love and, uh, you know, keep it that simple. Don't worry about bill processes and jargon. Um, you know, just talk about the community that you're passionate about. Thank you for listening. Please note that the audio clips from this session were edited for length and clarity. Be sure to tune in next time for part two of this episode on legislative advocacy.